tonight, I will say, since you are taking notes, because everybody has the opportunity tonight to take notes, we have it in our church app. We also will do our best to have the scriptures up on the screen. And then there's always the good old-fashioned notebook, which is how I prefer to take notes. But since you are taking notes, the title of my message tonight is With Marks of Heaven Upon Us. And we'll kind of get um, to why it's entitled that, but um, I've actually wanted to share this message three different times before tonight, and we'll kind of get into the different times, and um, thankfully, why the Lord pressed pause on this message for tonight. So tonight, um, our main scripture is Matthew 6, verses 9 and 10, and this is the Lord's Prayer, and if you will remember, Jesus had just prayed, and the disciples' only reaction at that point was pure awe, to say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so um, he goes on, and we're not going to go into the entire Lord's Prayer, but I want to pay attention specifically to verses 9 and 10 tonight, where he says, in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when Jesus is talking about this, he isn't saying that this is a rote memorization tool that we say every night before we go to bed, otherwise bad things come our way, but rather this is a rhythm, a cycle, a lifestyle of prayer that we can take on. And the reason why he does it is because it works. It's effective, amen? And so um, the first time that I wanted to share this message was October of 2021, and I'm purposefully going through this timeline, but my sister and her husband had just celebrated a year of marriage, a year before they had said, till death do us part in sickness and in health. And my brother-in-law, Thomas, he had a fever, he had chills, and he had called out to my sister asking her to give him a wet rag, something to cool him down. So when she came back into the bedroom, um, he was unresponsive, he had no pulse, um, he was medically dead. And so she, while calling 911, um, pulled him onto the floor, um, maintained CPR, and waited until the paramedics arrived, at which point they had, by you know, medicines, the defibrillator, um, six different times had tried to revive him. And so um, she tells the story and what a witness and a testimony it is that on the fifth time she called out Jesus, 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 and on the sixth time his pulse was restarted. So he was medically dead for nine minutes, and at which point they rushed him to the hospital, and um, under doctor's orders thought it best to be in a medically induced coma for a week, and then he was in the hospital for a month. And so during that time, we spent much time in prayer, obviously, as you do, and um, there was one night in particular that we were praying, and the time difference, it was like 9 o'clock, and we were praying not only our family, but with their church family. They had been going in every day, and because of COVID procedures, only one staff member could go in every day as, you know, as a minister. So they would share reports of how he was doing, and then we would pray. And that night in particular, I was wearing a shirt I had never really paid any attention to. It was a hand-me-down from Hunter that he had grown out of, but I looked I looked down at it, and it says over and over and over again, it said, with marks of heaven upon us, and I just began to weep because not out of sadness, but out of just joy that we cannot leave the presence of God the same. Every time we leave the presence of God, we have been marked for eternity, 
and that there was something on earth for Thomas to do here that he had not yet finished. And that meant that he brought heaven back with him. And although we don't have any stories of what he experienced in heaven, I want to see this after death documentary about what people have witnessed whenever they've, whenever they've died and come back. And Thomas doesn't remember, but honestly, it's amazing to me that he came back and you cannot be the same after you've witnessed the presence of God. Amen? And so the second time I wanted to preach this message, well, after the first time, I was like, okay, he's been marked by heaven. All of us can be marked by heaven, even if we have not followed the same um, process maybe that Thomas did. All of us can be marked by the presence of God. And so I began to study and then um, in August of 2022, so almost a full year later, Grandma Ginger went home to be with Jesus. And I don't say this sadly, but um, I say this with joy that the one thing that people just kept saying over and over again was how much her and granddad constantly talked about heaven. And heaven was not just a ticket to heaven. It wasn't just waiting to get to heaven so that they can be redeemed from everything that they've experienced here on earth. No, it changed their perspective here. And so over and over again, people will talk about how much they talked about it, how much they were excited for it. And so I wanted to know what heaven really was like and began to study heaven and go into it. And again, this is not a full encompassing message on heaven. There's so much more. But the third time was this year in February of 2023. And we were sitting around um, a swimming pool. It was me, Hunter, Pastor Steve, Pastor Kim, Scott, and Sue, which is Pastor Steve's brother and then his sister-in-law. And we were sitting there talking about what a wealth of wisdom granddad has after decades upon decades of ministry, being a pastor, doing missions, um, being a godly father and a godly husband, um, all of these different things. And so we were talking about what a wealth of wisdom he had on the inside and it's just, it's all over the place. He has notebooks, he has binders and um, Sue had said something to the effect of, I just wish we had somebody who could like organize all of his thoughts into like, you know, one place. I don't know what that would look like. And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or my desire to please people. No, I'm just kidding. It really was God. But um, I, I raised my hand. It was a little bit of both, Hunter says. Yeah, probably. Um, but I, I had offered. I said I would, I would be genuinely so honored to go through his life's work and did not know that two weeks later I would get access to 1,200 Google documents and two file cabinets being sent to my house. Binders, notebooks, the occasional receipt with something that God had dropped down on the inside of him. It's, it's all over. And so as I began to pour into it, um, which has just been such a joy and a privilege, genuinely, um, I came across binders upon binders of heaven. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight with joy. Um, this is not a sad message, truly. We're going to find out what heaven is looking like because if we want to be able to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we need to know what heaven is like. Amen? And so I actually have granddad's message on Revelation 21 and 22, and um, I'm going to quickly go through some of these markers of heaven. So it is called the great city, holy Jerusalem. It's a city prepared by God, and it has certain features, light, a wall, 12 gates, 12 foundations, a street, a river, and the tree of life. 
And then he goes on to say, what is each one of these features? So the city itself comes down from heaven, prepared as a bride for her husband. This city was built four square. It is 1,500 miles in length, breadth, and height. So it's a cube, which I had never really thought about. You know, whenever you're little, you're looking up at the clouds and you're like, ah, the big one, that one's heaven. You know what I mean? Like, did anybody else do that? Um, so this light, the light of the city is like a precious stone um, and it's clear as crystal. But the glory of God and the lamb shall be the light of the city. And all the nations of the saved shall walk in its illumination. Kings of earth shall bring glory and honor to it. And there is no need for a candle or sun for the Lord God gives them light. There's a wall of man's measurement um, that is called huge and high. But whenever you look at the dimensions, it is 72 yards deep. So think of a football field, 72 yards of it is just the wall, which is amazing. I had never thought about that. And it's made of jasper. These 12 gates, um, each one have an angel stationed at them with the 12 tribes of Israel marked on each one. Um, one pearl per gate, and these gates shall not be shut at all. And that's because gates do two things. Gates keep people in, but they also keep people out. But up in heaven, there's no need to keep anybody out. There's no fear. There's no enemy. Um, and so there's complete freedom in heaven. And these 12 foundations um, are beneath the walls of the city. In the foundations are the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And each of the foundations were covered with all kinds of precious stones. And they go into all the stones. The street itself is like of pure glass, like transparent gold. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life. It bears 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit monthly, and its leaves bring healing to the nations. But this is the part that I want to get to. Things that are not there. No tears, no death, no sorrows, no crying, no pain. Um, no physical temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple. There's no need for a sun or the moon because the Lord God gives light. There's no more curse or no more things that defile. Um, and so we shall see his face with our names or with his name on our foreheads. Those who do his commandments will eat of the tree of life and enter the gates. And so knowing what heaven is like then we have the opportunity to then say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the way that we do that is with our words. And we see Jesus do this and um, talk about this in Luke 3, verses 21 through 22. And it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we often talk about this verse as in the beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But there is something that happened here when Jesus prayed. And I think about it kind of like, have you guys ever been driving and you're turning and there's a song on the radio and there's a beat to the song and then there's the beat of the clicker, right, of your blinker. And every once in a while, they're just a little bit off, and then they'll sync up, and then they'll go back off again. Has, has that ever happened to you guys? As, as you're turning and you're hearing the sound, there will be a beat that lines up. 
And that's what truly happens whenever we connect to heaven through prayer. It's um, we create one heartbeat. And when it's just a little bit off, it feels off. And then when it's right, you can hear so clearly. There's no distraction. And that opens up a bridge from heaven to earth. And so we can either be a voice toward heaven or away from heaven. And we do both of these things, right? Who in here has been a voice toward heaven in prayer? And then all of us have also been a voice away from heaven. And so Job talks about this really well. And we're going to see it in two different translations. Um, But at the end of his trials and his tribulations, he's talking about the way in which he talked um, about his circumstances. And so first out of the CEV, the contemporary English version He said, you ask why I talk so much when I know so little. I have talked about things that are far beyond my understanding. And so what had happened is in the midst of his circumstance, he had opened his mouth. And instead of choosing to create a bridge between heaven and earth, he instead was a voice away from it. He instead talked about his circumstances without talking about them in light of eternity. Um, I love what the NASB says, though. It says, Who is this who conceals advice without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. These things are too wonderful for me, which I do not know. And so this is in your notes. And um, this is truly when we're going to talk about being marked by heaven. But in order to know um, that we are marked by heaven for earth, we have to understand that we are not coming as heaven. Right, And so far too much is lost in interpretation when we pass the words of heaven through the filter of earth rather than fashion the earth with the words of heaven. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so crazy when we think about that all too often, and we do this maybe in prayer, and Jesus talked about things in parables, right? He did it so that people could understand, but this is more talking about like the things that are, are too too far for us to grasp and the things that um, maybe we don't see in the natural, that's instead changing it so that we can water it down a little bit, maybe, you know, make it palatable. That's not, that's not what we're supposed to do. That's creating that filter of earth that then we nullify heaven, right? And so heaven on earth should be a reality. There should be no more curse. And yes, we are promised um, trials and tribulations. I know some people are probably thinking that. We are, we are promised trials and tribulations while here on earth. But in order for anything to change here in the natural, we first have to have something take place in the spiritual realm. And so what happens is um, Jacob is a really good example of this where, you know, the staircase to heaven, he opened up the windows of heaven um, and that was that took place so that angels could ascend and descend. You know what I mean? But first, in order for any of that to take place in the natural, first there was a spiritual battle that took place, right? And so um, this is not like we can't say that we're sending angels on assignment if we are not willing to fulfill our assignment first. So that looks like prayer. That looks like doing the things of that God has already called us to do. Um, and so... The Bible puts it very, very clearly that this is up to us, whether or not heaven takes place here on earth. Um, And so we're going to look at it in a couple different translations. First out of the New King James, um, he says, And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But out of the CEV, he says, I gave you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And God in heaven will allow whatever you allow on earth. But he will not allow anything that you do not allow. And so where there's an ascending, then there's a sending forth, right? That is when the windows of heaven are opened. That is when we can send ministering angels out. That is when we can be on assignment is first when we understand what we are allowing or disallowing by saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this is not... um, We find this many, many times in the Bible, right? Pentecost is a really good example of a time when heaven found a voice on earth. Um, Multitudes gathered at the name of Jesus. And then what we see happen is signs and wonders and miracles. And so Pastor Steve talked about on Sunday um, that, you know, we're supposed to delight in the Lord. So that is not to say that we are not, that we're seeking after signs, but what Matthew 6.33 says is seek first the kingdom of God and then all of these things will be added unto you. So God is not against the things um, if he's the one giving them to us. You know what I mean? He says, and I will give you, the, all of these things will be added unto you. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. So God is not against the things. He's not against the signs and the wonders. He's against the things having us. Does that make sense? And so um, we see what happens and what takes place whenever heaven finds a voice on earth. Um, 219, it goes on to say, so Pentecost is verses like 6 through 11. It talks about how they tarried and they waited on the Lord. And then like flames of fire fell on them and they spoke in other tongues. And then verse 19, it says, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. And so what happens when, what, whenever heaven finds a voice on earth, not only is there a shaking up in heaven, which is good, but then there are also wonders here on earth. And so looking to heaven is not just an escape from reality. It's not. Um, it is not just having your head in the clouds. It is not um, ignorance is bliss. That is not what we're doing. Um, God actually talks about this in Acts 17. Um, And he says in verses 24 through 26, um, I'm actually just going to read 26 for time's sake. He says, God did this. He's talking about fashioning the earth and not having a need for human hands, but instead he invites us in to take part in it. And he says in verse 26, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. And though he is not far away from any one of us. So as we seek God, our troubles fall away. This is not um, God putting out the bait and switch so that we seek him, but instead he's inviting us to allow on earth what we need to allow on earth and uh, not allow on earth the things he does not want us to allow. He's inviting us to take part in this. And if we just go through the Lord's prayer or just say, uh, well, what will be will be, you know, or um, let go and let God. If, we, if we're saying these things and not truly understanding that it's up to us whether what we allow on earth to take place, then we're not going to find that this happens. And what happens is it actually, it hurts our faith because we see these things happen for other people and we wonder why it's not happening for us. And yet we're saying, let go and let God. 
And then in the meantime, he's saying, but I've told you that whatever you allow on earth will be allowed on earth. And whatever you don't allow on earth won't be allowed on earth. So although we're promised troubles and tribulations, we're also promised the answer, right? So um, this is not just an escape from reality. This is actually turning to our ultimate reality. We don't have to wait for heaven to experience heaven on earth. So we have been given heaven as an inheritance, right? But we also have an advancement of heaven right here. And that's truly, I think a lot of times, you know, whenever we say the salvation prayer, it's like, all right, made it into heaven. Now just get through the rest of your 70 years on earth and then it'll be great once you get there. But we see that Jesus walked and he had, he had profitable ministry and he had these things come to him. It was because he was seeking after the things of God, right? And so our, our yearning for God is almost like being homesick. How many here have ever been homesick? Yes, all of us. If you've ever been to like a sleepaway camp or um, like whenever you like first make like a big season transition. The first time, I mean, I remember being really homesick whenever I moved out of high school and moved to Rama, And I was really good about coming home every month. Like every single month I would drive eight hours, be there for 36 hours and then drive back because there was something that was drawing me back, right? I was, I was homesick. I was, I was homesick for the things that were taking place that I couldn't take part in quite yet because I wasn't physically there. Um, but I remember clearly the time I was most homesick was Easter. And I was, I was home for October for this festival that we had every year in my town growing up. Thanksgiving, Christmas, I even went home. I don't know why I would have gone home in January and February, but it was March and we did not get a break for Easter at Rama, and I was serving on Easter Sunday. And so I knew, the reason why I was ho so homesick was because I knew that there was something that was taking place there that I was missing out on because I was in the wrong place. And that's truly what it's like. We, we know we can't go to heaven quite yet, and so we're homesick for these things because it's our true home. But the more that we go back to that presence of God, the more that we'll feel that homesickness. And I will say, I the last time I was in Iowa was Thanksgiving of last year. Well, false, we were there for like 24 hours. But um, to my parents' home was last Thanksgiving. And before that was the Christmas before that. So the more time that I've spent away from the place where I grew up, the place where I was consistently going back to, I've created home somewhere else. My home is different now. My home, you know, it, it's not in the same place. And because I have created a home for me somewhere else, I mean, I still desire to go, like I miss my parents. Hi, mom and dad, I know you're watching too. Miss you much. Um, <laughs> so, but because I've created a home somewhere else, I don't desire that house as much. Does that make sense? I mean, I do obviously miss them, but you get what I mean. And we can see this with us is the more times that we go to the presence of God and the more times that we make that our home and the more times that we're experiencing the things that we know are there, then it makes us homesick while we're here. But the more time that we create a home somewhere else here on earth that is temporary, the less we desire the things of heaven. And so if you um, do not have eternity, if you're not driven by eternity right now, not 
that that's okay, but there, the more that you will go to the presence of God and seek out the presence of God, the more that you'll find a yearning for that. And we find that with anything um, when it comes to God. The more you read your Bible, the more you'll understand the importance of reading your Bible, the more you'll want to go back to reading your Bible, the more you pray, you'll know that your answer is there, and so you will wake up and want to talk to God. And the same is true with heaven. The more that we experience the presence of God, we will desire the presence of God in the things of heaven here on earth. And the first year, my mom sent me corn just so I could experience what I thought was home in my new temporary home. And so we can experience these temporary, um, these glimpses of heaven here on earth here today. And so um, this yearning for God, again, is a form of homesickness. It's longing for our true home in heaven. And so um, it isn't just sticking your head in the clouds, but it's not being consumed by what as much as you are consumed by who. Um, and how much more do I have? Ah. So um, a good example of, of this is we were recently in California, and the nature of the trip was very play it by ear. And so we had booked the hotel for our first night of California the night before we arrived. And so we were just kind of playing things by ear. We didn't really have a car. We were just kind of seeing what took place. And we had some friends in town um, who were not living in California. They just also happened to be in California, which was a blessing of the Lord. And so they had reached out. And when they called, we were sitting in the hotel lobby. We had already checked out of our hotel. We were trying to find which hotel we should stay at and if we should stay in L.A. because it was closer to the airport and we knew people in L.A. and we were hoping, you know, that kind of thing. So we were just trying to get all of the details worked out. And it wasn't that we were worried genuinely. Like, there was such a peace because we knew we were supposed to be on this trip. But you were still um, fixing your attention on where are you putting all of your suitcases and where are you laying your head that night, you know? And so um, at, at that moment, we're sitting in the hotel lobby and, and our friends had given us a call and they were like, well, let's go out to lunch. And, you know, we told them, well, we don't have a car, so maybe you can meet us here. And so they drove out to us, and um, we sat down, and one of the first words that they said, they were like, so, like, what's up? We're like, what are you talking about? They're like, I, I, it just seems like, like you were preoccupied, like you were thinking about something. And Hunter was like, well, we're trying to figure out where we're going to sleep tonight. It's really fine. Like, there's this hotel, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, we got it. And so right after lunch, we went over to the hotel. They blessed us with our last two nights of our hotel stay, which was a blessing beyond what I had ever thought or asked or imagined, which was amazing. But when she said the words, no, we've got it, did I think about it again for the rest of our lunch? No. What was I consumed with for the rest of our lunch was who was sitting in front of me. And so whenever we're, whenever we're looking to heaven, whenever we're driven by eternity, it isn't that we are just shutting off our ears to everything that's around us, but we're not consumed by what is going on. We're consumed by who is in front of us. And we're consumed by not only God who's on the inside of us, but the person that we're experiencing and not the situation, the person and not the circumstances, right? And so if we know that this is not our home, then we can truly live as citizens of heaven, as ambassadors on earth. Um, and that's truly what I want for us to have an understanding of is that whenever we've been marked by the presence of God, we, whenever we have those marks of heaven upon us, then we are the visible representation to the world around us of where we've been. 
And so um, how many of you guys have ever heard, um, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good? I've heard that. I grew up hearing that quite a bit, and I don't hear it as much anymore, which is good. But um, the Bible speaks very clearly against that. <laughs> it actually kind of makes it sound like if you're not heavenly minded, then you're no earthly good. Because he says um, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, um, he says, Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which only have temporal value. And he says, um, out of the NASB, he says, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. And so we cannot delight in the things of this world and still um, expect to receive heaven as well. And this happened often in the Bible, but um, the time that I can think of most clearly that just stuck out to me the best was at that time, Actually, right around the time when Jesus is saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, people for hundreds of years had been seeking a Messiah. They had been waiting, they had received prophecy, and they were, they were in hopeful expectation of their Messiah. But where their expectation was placed was on a world conqueror. They were hoping that their Messiah would take over the Roman Empire, that Jews would be free, that they would be able to walk freely. And because their expectation was misplaced, they crucified their actual Messiah in front of them. Which is like very sobering, but we do the same thing. Because what happens is God is trying to say, I have this in store for you, and I have this in store for you, and we're expecting what earth can provide, and instead pushing away and putting to death the things that God has placed right in front of us. Isn't that crazy? Um, and so we need in first to bring our, our wills into submission, and that's why it says, your will be done. And there's that verse that says that God um, grants the desires of our heart, but if you look into that same verse, um, it actually is also talking about God shifting our desires and changing them and not just out of like control, but into the things that we should be desiring and into the things that we should be craving. And that is when God can grant those desires. So when our desires are heavenly desires, when we have been marked by heaven for earth, then our will has been changed to where we're syncing up those blinkers and we're lining up, creating a stairway to heaven to where we can expect heaven on earth. Isn't that amazing? We cannot release on earth what we have not first experienced in heaven. And so this first takes place by entering the presence of God on a continual basis, making heaven our home, even though we are here as ambassadors to our earth around us. And so if we truly think that we have been marked by heaven, um, then we will share those marks to the world around us. And I'm wearing this jacket on purpose. Um, I don't even know. Oh, it was after it was after October of 2021 when I started having this idea of being actually the back says heaven marked. It has Song of Solomon 8.6. Oh, give us a whirl, Hunter said. Okay, twirl. Okay, so Solomon 8, 6 says, I'll set you as a seal upon my heart, as a seal upon my arm. So there's this visible representation to the world around us. But what I started seeing was that I 
although I talked about God in my everyday life, you know, I tried to witness to people, the opportunities for conversation were smaller than I wanted them to be. And so I started having this idea, like, actually, the people that I had in mind just had tattoos, and I wanted to, like, you know, kind of make, like, an artsy, cool conversation piece. But every single one of them has a scripture attached to them. Like, the grass withers and the flowers may fade, but the word of God stands eternal in our hearts. No man knows the day or the hour that the Lord will come. Um, dry bones come alive, like tongues of fire on their, like flames of fire on their heads. They spoke with other tongues. And so I started to create this visible representation to the world around me of where I had been. And you would be shocked at the number of people who would just say, oh, hey, that's a really cool jacket. And I would say, thanks, I made it. And then it would start this conversation of what made me want to draw this, and I would get to talk about God. And so I saw this in the same way. Whenever we've been marked by heaven, we cannot experience the world around us in the same way because we are a walking representation of heaven on earth if we will allow for it to be. And so if we have truly been marked by heaven for heaven, that causes for us to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so truly tonight, I, I want to I wanna give just, you know, 30 seconds. And as I pray, I believe that there are things that we've experienced um, from heaven, from the throne room that we need to be taking to the world around us. And maybe it's just a consecration of ourselves saying, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. Maybe it's, um, Lord, what have you shown me that I need to bring to the world around me? But what we'll find is that when we have, um, like Grandma Ginger, Grandma Ginger talked about heaven so much that that's what she was remembered for. What will people remember us for? You know what I mean? Are, are, we, are we talking about God in our everyday life? Because since we are here, we have a race to run. And if we're not saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we're saying my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if we are to pray the way that Jesus prayed, if we are to experience a reality that Jesus desires for us, then this is truly what we need to do. And so